Hello, my friend, and welcome to the Mark Stuchowski Podcast, the show that's all about helping you perform at an optimum level. I am Mr. Productivity, and it is my obsession in life to teach you how to be a more productive version of you. And one of the ways I do that is by inviting you to my next live training on Friday, August 14th at noon Eastern. I'm going to be teaching you about technology and your productivity. You can register by clicking in the link in the show notes or the banner of my website, mrproductivity.com, M-I-S-T-E-R, mrproductivity.com. It's very rare that a guest brings as much energy as I have on the show, but my guest today, Brian Golod, is going to do just that. This is a fast-paced episode. We're going to talk about how to succeed on LinkedIn, how to improve your chances of getting hired. We're going to talk about immigration and monetization. Overall theme of the show is how to be better at life. So here's my incredible conversation with Brian Golod. Brian, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I'm super excited to be here. I appreciate your time. You know, you are so infectious in terms of your love for life. I've been following you on LinkedIn now for many, many months, and I could you could just tell from reading your posts and interacting with you, you genuinely love life. And I know a lot of people say they love life, but you do love life. I am excited to be alive. I recognize that this is a one-time, once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to be alive, to yep. make the most of it, and... I love to help other people to live just as meaningfully and truthfully as I do and make the most out of it as well. I feel, I, I mean, the example that I'm going to use now may not be the right example at this moment because of the pandemic, but before the pandemic started, the example that I used to use was I had my oxygen mask on me and I felt that at that point I could actually pass it on to someone else. It's kind of like an emergency in an airplane, right? Mm -hmm. They tell you to first put it on you and then you help the person next to you. I got to the point in my career, in my life, personally and professionally and financially, where I was in a really good place and I wanted to help the person next to me. I actually get a lot of joy out of helping other people do well. Whether they can afford my services or not, it doesn't matter. I, I recognize that everybody's a human being and everybody wants to make the most out of life as well. So when you give, you don't become poorer, right? This is something that Anne Frank has said. Mm. You don't become poorer by, by giving. Yes. And if you look at the highest performers in our world today, they give a lot. And you certainly are a giver. We're going to talk about a whole bunch of stuff because you are passionate about four things, LinkedIn, career development, immigration, and monetization. So this is going to be kind of like a scattered uh, episode of the Mark Chichesky podcast. But Brian is so passionate about these four objects. I want to talk about all of them. Let's start with LinkedIn because you started from like just a few followers and now you're approaching 200,000. So tell Tell us a little bit about your journey on LinkedIn. Absolutely. So all of them are actually intertwined. Okay. Mm -hmm. None of them I actually did before two and a half years ago. Wow. They all started with LinkedIn. My career, in a, uh, so my career, my professional career has been in IT. So I've been in IT for 23 years and I recently left the corporate world to actually pursue this full time, which is incredible. And it's all because of LinkedIn. So I want to say thanks. I, it's been amazing, honestly. So I started on LinkedIn when I had about 808 followers. Wow. I didn't know that LinkedIn actually had um, a social media platform. I had no idea. I was like, oh, there's more than just a resume here, <laughs> right? I think that a lot of people uh, had that same, I don't know, feeling. They're like, 
oh, there's more to this thing than just my resume, storing my resume, hoping that someone will find me, right? So I had 808 followers and I wanted to start to build my authority of some sort. I wanted to showcase the fact that I am a professional, that I have some knowledge about something. And, and I wanted to leverage LinkedIn. I mean, use it to continue to escalate, to continue to grow professionally. So I started to write LinkedIn articles. Who cares to read a LinkedIn article? I don't know anybody who actually <laughs> care to read them because people have such a short attention span that they don't care to go into a LinkedIn article that is like 25,000 words, right? You just care to consume this, go straight to the point, right? Like whether it's a video, whether it's a post, just go straight to the point. So anyway, I wrote 18 articles and here's what happened to me. And I, I hope that someone benefits from this. This is when I changed my policy in terms of who I connect with. Uh, before, I was like very selective. Who do I accept a connection from? I knew early on that you could only have 30,000 connections, which is a lot. Now, of course, I am maxed out. Um, but I always thought, what can this person do for me, right? Um, are they from my same industry? Are they from my same geographic location? Are they whatever they are? But there was this gentleman who reached out to me from South Africa after reading one of my articles. He said, Brian, can you help me with my next interview? I actually did a LinkedIn Live just a few days ago with him. Uh, he's an amazing gentleman. Uh, his name is Jean-Claude. He shared his story. So I said, absolutely. When is it? And he said, oh, I don't have one yet. And then I thought to myself, what kind of crazy conversation is this? You reached out to someone for help with something that you don't have yet. <laughs> so I said, you know, I deflected him. I said, sure, whenever you have one, just let me know. I thought he would never come back. He came back two days later and he said, Brian, I have an interview tomorrow. So I said, can I help you? And now he started like questioning me, like, do you know anything about logistics or freight forwarding? I was like, I don't. However, I know how to interview really well. And he said, okay, I'll take you up on that. And by the way, I was doing this out of my heart. Okay. I still do everything that I do out of my heart. But what I mean is I was not charging for this. Okay. So we jumped on a Skype call for 35 minutes. I understood what challenges he had, what obstacles, what was holding him back during his interviews. And after 35 minutes, I didn't have any more knowledge to share with him. He was satisfied with that. And he went on to his interview the next day. I wished him well the next day just to give him some boost of confidence. I'm not sure whether he got it or not <laughs> before his interview. But once he came, came out of the interview, he said, Brian, I feel like I got this. I was like, okay, probably you felt the same way about all the other interviews that you had. I thought that to myself, you know, I didn't say that. And then I kept in touch with him for two weeks. Every second day, I was like following up with him because I actually truly cared. I was like, any news? No, no news. And here's where the whole thing got really, really interesting. Two weeks later, it was the anniversary of the passing of my dad. May he rest in peace. And that day... I felt that my life was going to change. Like I, it gives me shivers just to share this. I felt that today something, it was not related to him, but I felt that something was going to change my life forever. And then I reached out to him just like I did every other day. And I said, hey, Claude, I call him Claude instead of Jean-Claude. I said, hey, Claude, no news, good news. And he said, I got the offer. I am the right hand of the CEO of a multinational. <laughs> And I was like, so I called him right away on WhatsApp. 
And so he started to share with me everything, you know, the opportunity. And he started to cry and I started to cry. And he was driving. He had to pull over. And once we hang up, I, I sat back on my chair at the office. I was working at the government of Canada at that time. And I sat back and I was like, was this a coincidence or do I actually have a skill? I couldn't believe it, right? I was like, were the planets aligned or I actually have a skill and I can actually empower other people and help them get back on their feet. So what did I do to try to figure out whether I had a skill or not? I went to try to find other people in his same situation. So I tried to find other newcomers to Canada, people across the world, anybody who was struggling, I tried to find them. So I found seven other people and I mentored every single one of them and every single one, they went to their next interview and they got the offer. And that was crazy. I was like, wow, I actually do have a skill, right? Every single one of them, I help them get back on their feet. And here's where the, my LinkedIn story with empowering and monetizing, they come together. Thank God I have my wife. My wife said to me, Brian, I love everything that you're doing, but you have a family here. You have me, you have your daughter, who was probably a year old at the time. You're helping all these people, which is commendable. I love what you're doing, what you stand for. But once you help them, they forget about you. You mean nothing to them. She said, I, you have to spend more time with us. I was like, but I really love what I'm doing for them. She said, well, if you want to help them, at least make some money out of it. It's your time. It's your skills, knowledge, experience, and expertise. At least make some money. So I started to monetize because of her advice. She pushed me to start to monetize. And of course, I started small from 15 bucks an hour, 15 Canadian, which is like $10 American. And now I am the most expensive person on the entire platform at $1,500 an hour American, which is like, who knows how much Canadian, it's a lot of money Canadian. <laughs> okay. So it's because of her who pushed me to actually appreciate my self-worth, my experience, the commitment that I put into things. And anyway, I talked so much already. So I'll shut up for a moment. <laughs> Well, I want to tell you that I went to one of your webinars several months ago, and you're the reason why I don't do free webinars anymore, okay? Because the way I lesson I learned from you is I only charge $10 for a webinar, okay? If you can't afford $10 for a webinar, and I know some people can't because they, they got full load from the job. I completely understand that. But if you can't afford $10 for a webinar, you're probably not serious because the problem I was having is when I do free webinars with a replay, a lot of people sign up, no one would show up. So then I started doing, I don't do replays. A lot of people sign up, few people show up. But then when I started doing two things, charging $10 for the webinar, and right now as I'm, as I'm still doing this, everyone who goes to the webinar and stays all over the end gets put in the drawing to win a month worth of coaching for me. So I really make it worth your while. To your point, our time is worth something. And people are conditioned, like this podcast is free, okay? LinkedIn is free. Your email newsletter is free but you can't pay your mortgage without getting paid. And so to your wife's credit is, you know, we have a lot of knowledge. I have productivity knowledge. You have knowledge on LinkedIn, career development, immigration, which we'll talk about in a few minutes, monetization. You should be paid for that. And the thing I struggle with 
is I know lawyers and doctors and CPAs, anyone who has information struggle with, because it's not a physical product, is people go to their buddy who's a lawyer and say, hey, I got a legal question for you. I'm like, I went to law school. I, I can't just tell you. And I think people got to be really careful that if you have knowledge, yeah, you can help people, but people love free stuff, but they don't appreciate free stuff as much. It, even $10 for a webinar, they appreciate it more because now they've got skin in the game. Would you agree with that? 100%. And I will tell you one more thing. It is actually this service. I actually was talking to one of my clients yesterday about this. He's having a really hard time monetizing LinkedIn. He's learning from me. I'm teaching him, but he's having a really hard time. Why? Because he has kind of like, you know, the angel on one side, one of his shoulders, the devil on the other one. He's trying to help a lot of people who are struggling. But he wants to help them. But what he doesn't realize is that, is that he's hurting himself. If you burn yourself out, you will stop being useful yes. to the greater population, right? So by him trying to help everybody for free because he feels bad for everybody, he will not be able to pay his own bills, right? So you have to appreciate yourself and what you've gone through. And also the people who are getting for free, as you were saying, the key word is appreciate, right? If, you, if they are not paying for your service, they do not appreciate you Sub subconsciously. They are taking you for granted. Mm -hmm. So they will not take action. But whenever it's burning you in your, in your pocket, you will actually take action and do something that will lead you to that change, to that next milestone, whatever objective it is that you're looking for. Yes. Now, let me ask you this, because you did mention articles, which nobody reads. And you've had LinkedIn Live for a couple months. I just got it. And LinkedIn Live, because I think so few people have it, you get a lot of LinkedIn love. So I know you're big on LinkedIn Live. What are some of the other things that LinkedIn, that people can do on LinkedIn, even if they don't have Live, because obviously it's still in the pilot program 15 months later. What are some other things that people can do today that'll give them more views, more comments, and more likes? First of all, is engagement. Okay. You want to make sure that you're always building relationships with other people. And it's not about you. This platform is not about you. The best content out there that performs the best is when you are actually helping other people, mm. when you're promoting other people and doing things to catapult someone, somebody else, catalyst someone else. So when you're just tooting your own horn, people don't care for that. They want to be associated. They want to celebrate you helping somebody else, right? So engagement, I, I don't know, people are talking all the time about content is king, engagement is queen. It doesn't matter which one is king or queen. The thing is, you have to be consistent. You have to show up every single day, at least twice a day. And I will explain why twice a day. Your posts, unless they are viral, which don't happen all the time for everybody, unless you're in pods and we can go into pods and there can be a separate uh, podcast episode. But unless you're in pods, your, your, your posts are not going to get viral right? So any regular organic post will have a mileage, I guess, a number of hours in which that post is really trendy or getting the most views. After X number of hours, the views are and the engagement are going to start to die down. So that's the moment when you should post again, because otherwise you're just killing time. You're basically not making the most out of time. The only one thing that we're not getting back in life is time. So if you see that your post is starting to die down, and the only way that you can actually see this is by measuring. Mm -hmm. And by just looking at the post yourself, you're not going to be able to measure unless you're keeping track of, oh, okay, at 9 a.m., I had X number of views and X number of comments, right? And, and reshares. And at 10 a.m., I had X number and X number, X number, right? Um, unless you're doing that, you're not going to be able to do this. 
So I leverage a tool, a product called Shield. So Shield Analytics is an amazing product that you can hook to your LinkedIn. It, it's not that expensive. Honestly, it starts at like $8 per month. And you can actually get to see how your post is performing. And you can see it with a graph even. So when you see that those lines are going to, to go down, that's the moment that you can post again. You don't necessarily have to do 9 a.m., 9 p.m. like I do, Eastern Standard Time. Those are my times when I do it, and I made it my habit. But you can start to post again whenever those lines are starting to go down because you know that you're not going to get the exposure that you could have had you posted again. And the reason why you should not be posting back to back to back right away is because it's known that every time that you post again, you're killing 75% of the engagement of your previous post, Mm. right? So if you post now and you post again and you post again, the one that is going to potentially have some impact and get the engagement and the, and the views is your last post, not the previous ones. That's interesting. Now, one of the things that uh, as LinkedIn's gone really big on now is pages. So what I do is I post on my profile, I post on Mr. Productivity page and on the Mark Chesky podcast page. And those are three different posts and I post on those twice a day. Plus, so that's six for me. Plus, I also count as content Comments. Now, when I say comments, I don't mean thumbs up emojis or nice job. I mean, because you talk about this in your training. When you give a comment, make it one to three sentences and add value. And that counts as content, correct? 100%. And one of the things that I see a lot of people, both the content creators, the author of the posts, and also the people who engage in them. Typically, these are the people who are in the pods. But let's talk about everybody, not just pods, but in general. I see a lot of people who have no value. And what you need to realize is that with every single one of your interactions on LinkedIn, you are potentially taking up space and time on somebody else's newsfeed, right? Anytime that you like, anytime that you comment, somebody else will see that like and that comment. Liking for the sake of liking doesn't do anything for you. So my advice to anyone who is, if you got some value out of a post, right, and you benefited from that, stop and make the time to actually find within your brain, your experience, find something that you can add of value to the person who who posted to the author. First of all, the author will absolutely love you. Mm -hmm. You will start to build a real relationship with that person. And second, try to post something that all the audience of that author can benefit from because then they will actually become fans of you as well because they will be like, wow, that's the best comment that I've seen on this entire thread. It's so easy to actually stand out on somebody else's thread because everybody else is lazy. Everybody else will be like, great share. By the way, people in the pods will just say great share, great post because that's (laughs) I don't even want to go there. But basically, they add zero value. That's the whole point of a pod, to add zero value and just keep on liking and and commenting nonsense comments. But everybody else will just keep it very, very shallow. If you have knowledge, if it really sparked your interest, if you can add something of value, do it. Instead of just continuing to like on a frenzy on your newsfeed, Stop and spend extra time adding value to somebody else's post. And believe me, you will both solidify the relationship with that person. And second, benefit from all that person's followers who will start to follow you as well. Excellent. Now, for those of you, for those who don't know what a pod is, I'm not a fan of pods. I, I think it's artificial. Explain to us what a pod is. A pod is a group of people who have an agreement to engage with each other's uh, posts 
as soon as the posts go up. So basically, just so that everybody can visualize this, let's say that I just posted at 9 a.m. and I want my post to do well. What I will do is I will take that, that link and I will send it via WhatsApp, um, Telegram, uh, LinkedIn group. It doesn't matter which method, right? But I will give my link to everybody else who is in that group of people so that they can come to my post and like and comment as quickly as possible to game the algorithm mm. so that everybody thinks that that post has a lot of value. The bigger the post, the more people who will see the post and who will be inclined to actually like and comment as well. People in general have this sheep mentality where they just follow. If you see a post that has 3,000 likes, you're going to want to be part of that group as well, right? Whereas when you have a post that has a lot of value, and by, by the way, I don't mean that value is based on the number of likes or comments. Value is what you pour onto that post. There might be a post out there that has zero likes and comments, but that post is really valuable. It has just not been found by anyone. Right. Okay. But whenever you have one of those posts that have no value because the wrong people saw it at the, at, at the wrong time, right? Because LinkedIn defines who is going to see your post first, yeah. right? So a subset of your audience, of your following, will see that. And if they were not compelled to actually engage with it, potentially no one else is going to, right? So you need that first person to actually kickstart that that flame, I guess, that, that fuel for everybody else to follow. Because again, going back to people are sheep. They just follow <laughs> whatever everybody else is doing. Yeah. So what the pods do is they basically ignite that. They are like, oh, this is a great post. Not necessarily. I've seen some really garbage posts <laughs> out there. I'm like, how does this garbage post has like 5,000 likes? And I'm like, yeah, that's no value. What are you guys doing? Like both the post creator and the, and the audience, the, the followers. So I'd rather not play that game. I, for the longest time, I didn't want to join one of these pods, but you know what? I was dragged onto one of them and I think that they lasted one day or two maximum. So the reason why is I became, I felt like a human transaction. Basically, this is what I did. I'm trying to be always with anything that I do, very authentic. So one, of, one day I was working again at the government. I stayed after hours. I was like, okay, I am in this pod. And one of the rules is you cannot share your link until you have uh, liked and commented on everybody else's posts for the last 24 hours, right? So before I can actually share my new link to my latest post, I have to go and engage with everybody else's, right? So what did I do? I went, scrolled back on WhatsApp or wherever it is that I had my, my, you know, my notifications for those pods. Um, and I made it my my mission to deliver value, again, to write very meaningful comments, not just to say great share, great share, great share. But then I shared my post or the link to my post and people were like either not liking, which is not the rule, right? They should engage. And second, those who were engaging with my posts, they were saying great share. Thanks for posting. Great share. Zero value. <laughs> and one of the things that we know is that the longer the comments, the, the more LinkedIn will prioritize or they will give exposure to your post, right? So I was like, I was fed up. I was like, this is the kind of garbage that I joined? Like, <laughs> so I left. I was like, I don't need this garbage. I don't need to game the system to prove that my posts are valuable. So I got the hell out of there. 
<laughs> so we know what you're feeling on pods are. Uh, yes. let, let's, let's, let's switch over to immigration because, uh, if you follow Brian on LinkedIn, he's got the Canadian flag on there. He's very proud to be Canadian, as he mentioned earlier. Um, so tell us, you know, I, I used to live in Rochester, New York, and I used to jokingly call it the United States of Canada because we're talking back in the seventies when you didn't need a passport. You could just drive to Buffalo, Niagara Falls and, you know, right, drive across the Rainbow Bridge. And I only went to the Canadian Niagara Falls, so I haven't really been to Canada. So tell us a little bit about why do you love Canada? Because you came from Argentina. And how long have you been in, in Canada at this point? I've been in Canada for almost 17 years. Wow. Okay. I, I lived in Argentina for almost 20. So I'm about to reach my 50-50 half-life in each country. Though I have to recognize that I am Argentinian, right? And this is one of the things that when I first immigrated to Canada, I pushed back. I was like, I don't want to be associated with being Argentinian, right? My family came to Canada with the mentality of being Canadian. We wanted to be Canadian. We wanted to to really... um, immerse ourselves in this amazing culture, right? We appreciate this country as a country with respect. Uh, It's a country where there's honesty, where people actually will help one another. Absolutely love the culture. Um, People probably from across the world, they think that Canada is a very cold culture. It's not the case. People are very friendly. People will help you. They will go out of their way to make sure that you succeed at whatever it is that you do. They will really go out of their way. So. I came from Argentina. We left during turmoil. It was a very difficult uh, time in Argentina when we started to think about living, but it got even worse after after the fact. Um, Argentina had a big crisis in 2001, and this was in the middle of our application. We applied um, in August, September of 2001. Actually, it was September because I remember that it was the day before the Twin Towers collapsed. Wow. Okay, so you can imagine that what that did to our application. Um, process. It slowed everything down for us, for my family. But then shortly after, in December of 2001, um, Argentina had a big economic crisis, huge, to the point that we actually lost half of our value in our assets. So let's pretend that our home was worth $150,000. All of, all of a sudden, it was worth $75,000, wow. right? which is crazy. So for a family that is looking for a new a new place, a new country that is looking to start all over again, losing half of, of their assets is major, mm. right? So we, so our process was about 28 to 30 months long. It was pretty lengthy. Uh, for everybody else that I'm trying to help, it's not as lengthy. Now, the reason why I got involved in immigration has to do with the fact that a lot of people reached out to me and they said, Brian, I got scammed. Or Brian, I know people who are trying to scam me. Is this legit? Is it not? And I cannot stand people who scam other people, mm. right? And the one, one of the things that really captivated my attention was, first of all, I live in this, this amazing country and a lot of people are misrepresenting my, my country. I don't want to see that happen. Can I stop it from happening? Not fully, but can I do something to counter that effect? Can I do something to try to prevent others from being scammed? Yes, I can. So I started to form partnerships and relationships with people who have been in this industry for almost 15 years, who educated me to try to figure out whether people actually do have a chance of immigrating or not. And now I have partnerships with people who will actually take them, give them their hand and say, we can bring you from wherever it is that you live to Canada safely. So 
that is the thing that I stand for the most. I want, I want to make sure that people, if they have dreams, that they actually achieve their objective. And I am the only person in the entire country who offers money back guarantee, which is something that no other professional will offer. So I'm basically putting my reputation on the line and I'm saying, if you're going through me onto somebody else, right? Onto other professionals who will help you come to Canada. If they fail you and they do not manage to bring you to Canada for whatever reason, sometimes it's because the government will not allow you to come to Canada, right? They have the final say. If they cannot successfully bring you to Canada, I am the one who has the final say and I have the power to press one button and send all your money back to you so that at least you can take that money to live better in your own country or you can pursue some other country that might be good for you, right? Wow. The last thing that I want is for someone to pay for something and they do not get the, the results that they were looking for. So for me, it's not about just providing a pretty face that I don't have, by the way, but it's not about providing a service. Oh, sure, I will provide you the best Zoom service ever or the best, best emails or the best follow-up. It's not that. You're paying to try to come to Canada. And I recognize that the government is the one that has the final say. But if we believed from the get-go that you would be able to come to Canada, we couldn't bring you to Canada safely, then at least you should get all your money back. So what city did you settle in and why did you choose that city? So interestingly, we immigrated to a, to a province called Prince Edward Island on the east coast of Canada. It's the smallest province in the entire country and probably one of the coldest in the entire country. It's minus 40 centigrade, which interestingly enough is minus 40 Fahrenheit in the winter, okay? In the summer, it's beautiful. It's like over 100 degrees Fahrenheit, let's say 40 degrees uh, centigrade maybe at some, some days. It's, so the difference between the, the hottest and the lowest or the coldest temperatures is immense. It's about 75 degrees centigrade or, or 80 <laughs> degrees centigrade, which is a lot in Fahrenheit as well. So we wanted to come to Toronto. Uh, we didn't know about this province. We had no idea. We wanted to come to the big city. But as, as I was mentioning earlier, um, there was a big collapse in the Argentinian economy. And our immigration lawyer said, I don't think that Canada is going to let you in. You said that you were going to be able to bring X amount of dollars. And now you can't. And my mom, talking to the lawyer on the phone, she said, we still want to come to Canada, right? Like as someone who is really determined to come to Canada, she said out of her heart, she was like, we still want to go to Canada. So the lawyer said, well, there's this province called Prince Edward Island or PEI in short. Um, and there might be an opportunity for you to go there because this province will appreciate the fact that you have skills in glass. So my parents are glass artists. Mm. So we went to, so she hung up and then we went to an encyclopedia. My, my dad was not home. This was on a weekend. This was on a Saturday. My dad came home and my mom was like, um, we are probably going to move to an island. And he was like, have you been drinking? Like, <laughs> we were going to Canada. What, what island are you talking about? So we went to an encyclopedia and the encyclopedia. So for those of you who don't know what encyclopedias are, <laughs> encyclopedias are kind of like the version of Google that was printed back in the day when Google was not as famous. So we went to this encyclopedia with a map and Prince Edward Island was not actually printed on the encyclopedia. I'm not oh. kidding you. It was actually not on the map. Oh okay? my goodness. <laughs> That's how small Prince Edward Island is. So anyway, we went on Google to try to find it and we absolutely fell in love with it. We, with everything that we read about PEI, 
And yeah, I mean, we ended up getting the nomination from the, from the province. And I personally lived on the province for five years. My parents lived there for, for 10 years. My sister there for five years as well. And it was an amazing experience. We came from a city with, I don't know, millions and millions of people. The entire province, Buenos Aires in Argentina, 15 million people. And we came to an island with 140,000 people wow. maximum, right? <laughs> and absolutely loved the experience. People ask me like, um, how, like, is this too small for you? I was like, no, I feel alive. I don't feel like a number anymore. <laughs> I, I used to go to the bank and the teller would remember my account number by heart. She would actually not even ask me for my, for my wallet, for my, for my debit card or for my credit card. Like I could just have a conversation with her and she would be like, Hey, Brian, how are you? What can I do for you today? And I was like, Oh, I need a hundred dollars. She was like, cash or check or whatever it is. Right. I was like, cash. Okay. Here you go. Wow. I was like, I could not believe the service. Like I really stood out. And of course I have an accent. Right. So of course I stood out even more, <laughs> but it was amazing. Wow. Like I came to the bank for the first time. In Argentina, you could not use your cell phone at the bank because people outside the bank, they were, they were um, teaming up with people inside the bank to rob you afterwards, right? Ah, so, wow. so anyway, it was crazy. So people inside the bank were passing instructions to people outside the bank. And anyway, you could not use your cell phone. Here, I was like, can I use my cell phone? Of course, why would you not be able to use your cell phone, right? <laughs> wow. like, like it doesn't make any sense. There were no policemen at the bank, no policemen at the bank to, to, to keep it safe. Right? I was like, there's no policemen in this bank. Right. My dad went to the insurance company to insure our first vehicle on the island. And my dad was like, okay, so what does this insurance cover? They were like, uh, it covers fire, flood, whatever. Right. And he was like, what about theft? And they asked, what is theft? We don't know what that is. Right. I was like, completely different change. Like in Argentina, they were kidnapping people at the time. And here I come and people are like, what is theft? We don't know what that is. Right. Crazy. So anyway. Best experience ever. And then after five years, I moved to the big city of Toronto and absolutely love this country. From coast to coast, it's such an amazing country. I'm so passionate about this country. I, I can tell. And I will tell you, we've talked about this on LinkedIn. One thing I don't like about Canada, it gets cold up there. I spent 33 years in Rochester, New York, which is just south of Toronto. And I remember the blizzard and the single-digit temperatures in Fahrenheit, so even colder in Celsius, and the ice storms. And so when I moved down to Houston in July of 2019, sorry, July of 1997, I never looked back because as I always tell my friends up north, we don't have to shovel heat down here. So, But I, I, I want to go visit Canada. I'll just come up there probably between May and September. I won't go up there during the wintertime because it gets cold up there. So, um, Brian, this has been so much fun. We could, we could probably talk for six hours but I want people to reach out to you because um, you deliver so much value. All they have to do really is follow you on LinkedIn and they're going to get a master's degree in the LinkedIn career development, the immigration, the monetization. We only touched on some of these today, but tell us a little bit about where we can find you. I know you're also known as the interview sniper. We didn't talk about that really. We didn't use that term. Uh, how did you come up with the interview sniper um, name? So it was the experience of uh basically helping these eight people, right? Mm -hmm. I helped them and all of a sudden I was like, okay, one bullet, one shot, one offer. Uh, Somehow I was inspired by JFK, I guess. Um, <laughs> it's a sad story, of course, with JFK, but I was like, okay, an interview sniper has one bullet, right? Like it doesn't have a rifle to start shooting all over the place. An interview sniper, or sorry, a sniper has just one bullet and has to land that opportunity. Mm -hmm. So for me, I turn my candidates into snipers as well. I say, you have that one 
that one interview, you have to go with a mindset that that is the one interview that you will get and the only one that you will get for the next X number of months, and you better get that offer. Whether you take the offer or not, that's a different story, but you don't succeed unless you get that offer. So that was one, one bullet, one shot, one offer. I love that. So you want people to go connect with you or follow you. They can't connect with you anymore. I'm fortunate to be a first degree connection. I feel very blessed to be first. I'm one of your 30,000 people, but do you want people to follow you on LinkedIn or do you, is there another website you want people to go to? So on LinkedIn, for sure. Absolutely. Uh, there's, here's a, a trick or there is, um, yeah, a trick, I guess. For anybody who wants to really connect with me and have a conversation and reach out and whatever it is, if you want to really connect with me, the one thing that you can do is send me a personalized invite. So here's the thing. LinkedIn has not made this consistent across both mobile the mobile application and desktop. If you go on the website, on, on the desktop page, whenever you hit connect, it prompts you with the option to send a personalized invite, which may, makes it very intuitive, right? Because you have the option to send one or not. Whereas if you do it on, on the mobile app, you are not prompted with that same option. So a lot of people just hit connect and all of a sudden you are not going to stand out, especially with me. I've had up to 17,000 people waiting for, a, for, for me to accept their connections. And it's not that I'm ignoring people on purpose. It's that LinkedIn does not allow me to accept beyond 30,000. Even if I hit the accept button, it just will not do anything, right? The person will remain there. So if you really want to stand out, send me a personalized invite. First of all, you're going to stand out from everybody else. It will give me the indication that you actually know how to use LinkedIn. And second, I can actually reply to you. So we don't actually have to be connected. Oh, there's really? no benefit in yeah, there's no benefit in being connected per se. You can actually have a conversation with someone just by having them send you a personalized invite. If 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 they send that to, to me, I can hit the reply button. We can have a we can start to have a conversation and then that's the same as being connected. There's no actual other benefit. You can still follow me if you want, if you care for my content, if you benefit from my content, but if you really want to have a conversation, just send me a personalized invite and I will reply to you. Wow. that I did not know that. So I learned something new today though. So I noticed that if you connect with someone, you automatically follow them, but you brought up a good point. Stop with the no personalized invites. Now, I know on mobile, the trick on mobile, you get to hit those three dots. I hope LinkedIn changes this. You have to click the three dots and then click personalized invite. I don't know why mobile is not the same as desktop. I don't think LinkedIn is a mobile first company yet. I think they're still desktop first. Um, and I think they're eventually going to go mobile first, but I think they should do the prompt on the mobile as well. So maybe that'll be a feature they come in uh, in the future. Is there another website you want to tell us to go to, or is it mainly this LinkedIn? So we have, I have interviewsniper.com um, where I share everything and I, you, can, you can connect with me if you are struggling with your resume, with your uh, interview skills, your negotiation skills. By the way, I've helped a lot of people increase their salaries, their compensation significantly. And this is, if you care to know, when my, my journey kicked off on LinkedIn. So for the longest time, I didn't think that followers were I, I, you know, all these vanity metrics, likes and comments and followers, whatever. I didn't think any of this, but I want to ask anybody who's listening right now, please listen to this. The bigger you are on LinkedIn, the more opportunities you will attract, both professionally, personally, and financially. Okay. Whether it is that you're looking to find your next career opportunity, right? You're looking to have your next role, a bigger title, more responsibilities, bigger compensation, grow your LinkedIn account. If you're looking to find partnerships with other people, the bigger your account is, 
the more partnerships you will attract to yourself. And personally, the bigger you are, the more you push to discover yourself because you're pushing to deliver value onto others, the more you will grow personally as well. So the one point where I started to grow immensely, this was actually, it started in August of last year. So I grew from August of last year up until now from 5,000 followers to 185,000 followers. So about 180,000 followers in a one year span. Okay. Wow. Which is, what is that in, in numbers? Um, I don't even know. That's, uh, I don't know, 180,000 divided. Like, that's about 483 followers per day. Wow. Right. Uh, average. Right. So the one thing that I want to share is this. When I posted about helping someone go from a $90,000 compensation, yearly compensation to $160,000 because of my help, she basically earned from one week to the next an extra $70,000 because of the way that I mentored her to negotiate better her compensation. That's when I went from 5,000 followers to 13,000 followers in one week. Okay. So... At that moment, I realized, oh, my God, this is amazing. It's not about me anymore. It's about what I can do for others. That's when it kicked in for me. I was like, ah, I shouldn't be talking about what I know. It's what I can do for other people that really matters, right? Wow. That people will celebrate, right? And that's when I started to focus more on what I do for others and how others have actually benefited from my help. Right. But I make it about them, not about me anymore. And then people will come to me and say, hey, I want that too. Right. So it's very interesting. Then the other uh, situation that I had was at the end of January. At the end of January, my grandma in Argentina, she was diagnosed with cancer, uh, unfortunately. Uh, she just had her sixth chemo session out of the six that were planned. Uh, thank God. And she's doing well. And one of the things that I promised to myself, as, uh, as I am an immigrant, when I was living in Argentina, one of the things that I promised to myself was, if my grandparents ever need me, I will be by their side. So when she was diagnosed with cancer, I said to myself, I need to be there. So I wanted to walk her into her first session. I wanted to be by her side and give her the strength that she needed, right? I am her eldest grandchild, and I wanted to be physically present for her, not just say, I'm thinking of you. I'm actually there going through this with you. We are one. So I flew down to Argentina the day after my birthday. Uh, I had my, my newborn here. So I spent my birthday with my newborn with my family here. The next day, I flew down to Argentina and I made it for her first chemo session. Okay. It was like the planets were aligned. And when I was sitting her, there with her and I was giving her, you know, energy and we were playing games and, and just distracting her at the hospital, um, one of the things that I thought was, okay, I've been helping a lot of people with their resumes, get offers, get interviews, negotiate their salaries. But there are so many people across the world who cannot even get an interview. And I thought to myself, wait a second. I have this tool, this ATS resume template that everybody wants to have, but nobody knows how to get it or how to format it and so on and so forth. I have it and I'm charging an arm and a leg, but there are so many parents out there who cannot even feed their kids. I was like, what if instead of holding these to myself, what if I just put it out in the universe for everybody else to benefit? That post got 4.7 million views. Wow. I grew my account from 55,000. So as, as I was mentioning, in August, I was at 5,000 followers. 
a week later, I was at 13,000. In January, I was at 55,000. And within a week, I was at 93,000 followers. That post gave me 21 followers per minute. I was actually... I was actually timing it. I was like refreshing my account. I could not believe what was happening on my account. 21 followers per minute. Wow. Well, I I want to thank you for being on the show today because you, you know, talking to you, it's it's really rare that a guest can match my energy. You brought the energy today. You brought the value. Uh, please connect with with Brian on LinkedIn. Well, you can't connect with him, but you follow him. And if you don't even reach out to him, Read his post. You will get a master's degree, not on just on LinkedIn, but on life. Brian, thank you so much for being on the show today. Yes, sir. I want to say something. I appreciate this immensely, what you're, what you're doing and helping me amplify my voice. If you want to go to the one place where you can get notified about every single thing, every single initiative that I'm doing, I want everybody, whether you're looking to immigrate to Canada or not, please go to canadadreamlife.com. You can subscribe to the newsletters. You can get all the information about every single program that I'm doing to deliver value to the world. You can subscribe to whichever ones you are interested in. The one place out of all the websites that I own for different initiatives, if you have one place where you need to go, canadadreamlife.com. Wow. Well, again, I really appreciate your time, sir. You brought the value and uh, I learned a lot and I just thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for being on the show today. Thank you immensely. Thank you, Mark. And just before we go, don't forget to join me on Friday, August 14th for my next live training. I'm going to be teaching about technology and your productivity. You can register by clicking the link in the show notes or clicking the banner at my website, mrproductivity.com, M-I-S-T-E-R, mrproductivity.com. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Mark Stuchowski podcast. Until we meet again, my friend, go be productive.